Welcome to the Vying for Victory podcast, where we believe God heals people in the way that brings Him the most glory and brings us closest to Him. Whether you've received healing, you're in the fight of your life, or you gave up on God a long time ago, you are welcome here. As you come to the table, listen with an open mind, knowing everyone's journey is unique, but pain is our common language. Let's vie for victory, friends. Hello, welcome to the Vying for Victory podcast. My name is Tara Bradham Denai, and thank you for joining us. If you don't know what's going on this week, I am doing a virtual book tour for my book that released a couple weeks ago called Swimming for Freedom. And as part of that, we're releasing an episode each day this week from the Spring Heal Retreat that we did virtually. So my book is my story, and it's what really created a passion in my life for reconciling our faith in a good God with our physical pain and our circumstances that don't seem to match up. So it definitely does all tie together, but that is what we are doing this week. So if you want to jump in on a Zoom session, it's totally free, a live Q&A with me. Head over to my Instagram at, at Tara Bradham and you can follow the link in my bio. And then just check out the Instagram lives I'm doing and keep listening here. And we're going to give you some great resources to get plugged in and connected to a community. So today we have Erin Judge, who is not only one of my very best friends, but she's also a registered dietitian. She specializes in IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome, and she also has an incredible Instagram if you want to go check that out. But a lot of our health starts in our gut. It really, really does in the inflammation and what we eat and how we can heal ourselves using food as a medicine. And so I'm really excited for you to listen in on this one from Heal. She did have a presentation during Heal, and a lot of it is fact-heavy at the beginning. So it's really important, but I would have a notepad out and be ready to take notes. And if you're not in the science brain today, I would say maybe skip to about 12 minutes into the episode. There's still going to be some more valuable information after that. So enjoy this. Here is Erin Judge. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Tara. Uh, We did room together in college and she is one of my closest friends in this entire world. And I actually lived with her during some of the darkest moments of her life, which that encouraged me. So if that's an encouragement to you, you know, sharing that with the people that you're around, like it can actually impact them pretty significantly. Uh, and I still look back on that. And I think I see so much value in, in Tara, like place in my life, walking with her through like the crap that was going on in her life. And I wouldn't have given that up for anything at all. That was really valuable for me. So I am going to talk a little bit about diet and um, there's a lot here. So we're going to kind of go in two different directions and I'm going to do my best to get the information out as clearly as I can. Um, But I did want to share a little bit about, you know, what my story is and kind of where I fit into this, this role. Um, I am a registered dietitian of five years now, four years, however long it's been. And my main focus is IBS and digestive health. So IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, um, I've had it myself for over 20 years. I was diagnosed as a kid in elementary school. And while IBS, it's a very interesting condition that when you don't have it, you don't understand it, which I think a lot of people um, with any kind of chronic disease, any kind of chronic condition, um, pain, like you probably feel that way where no one really gets it until they're in your shoes. Um, But with IBS, 
there's this thing that's called hypersensitivity and kind of going back to what Cole talked about on like how pain happens and how your brain communicates and your body responds and you know all those things that are going on for IBS the pain in the gut so with like bloating and gas and constipation or diarrhea while it's not physically like actually painful your the brain that communication pathway is altered and so the brain perceives it as more painful hypersensitivity so they're more sensitive and then the body responds so the pain is manifested as what the brain perceives it to be and so with ibs like the the pain that people experience is like crying on your bathroom floor like begging god and praying to poop and so if you can wrap your brain around that that's a little bit of my own life um, and something I've struggled with. And that's why I am so passionate about empowering others that struggle with this condition to kind of work through it and, and utilize the tools that we have available um, to manage the condition. And honestly, most of what I do is mindset. So I really love that both Cole and then um, Carly, they talked a lot about mindset because that's something I, I do a lot of. All right. So whenever we are talking about pain, um, and diet, there's a lot of different routes. So we're not going to go into like tissue healing or anything like that. We are going to talk a little bit about inflammation. So it's our major focus. So inflammation um, refers to our body's immune response to something that is thought to be harmful to the body. So just like Cole mentioned about how pain is actually a good thing that we should be grateful for that we want inflammation, um, our, it's our body's response. It's really positive. It's actually a really good thing. And then it, that's a way that our body then communicates. So our body communicates back to us either through pain or through like a physical manifestation, or we see it through like lab work and things like that. So we see what's going on um, because of what's happening inside the bodies. It happens when we fight infections, um, whenever there's like an allergen in the body and our body needs to respond, when there's damage to tissues and so on. Inflammation can be acute or chronic. So a short-term reaction to an injury or an infection would be acute, so not very long. Um, and then chronic, which is what we see with like sensitivities and allergies, long-term exposure to irritants like different chemicals, um, chronic disease and autoimmune disorders, um, chronic stress. And this is not just psychological stress. This is where pain really comes in. This can be physical stress on the body. And then prolonged injury or tissue damage. So beyond just the acute stage to that chronic stage, just like Cole said, with like chronic pain, kind of very similar. Some of our risk factors that we have for chronic inflammation, and I think we're learning so much about this, is older age, obesity, unhealthy diet, smoking, the big ones, hormone imbalance, stress, and sleep problems. <laughs> so a lot of times these all compound on one another. I see this with my um, gut clients a lot, um, but we also will see this with chronic pain, autoimmune disorders, everything compounds where this causes an issue with the hormones. And then the hormones cause an issue with sleep. And then this also causes an issue with sleep. And then sleep causes this other issue. And so you get into this tangled web and that's where chronic inflammation becomes the most dangerous and can lead to the most um, damage long-term. So with my area of expertise and kind of my role today is to talk mostly about the diet. I like to say, disclaimer, I'm a dietitian. I'm not your dietitian. Um, so this is all informational. Um, you want to meet with your own practitioners along these lines. And then I am, I'm going to focus on more of what we can do versus 
what we don't do, right? So I'm not gonna talk as much about foods that trigger inflammation. I'm gonna talk a little bit more about how to lower inflammation, referred to as like our anti-inflammatory approach. The reason why I do this, this is a mindset thing. So the more that we focus on, I can't have this, this is bad, this does damage, we're feeding into that isolation a little bit more and feeding into the fear. And so instead, whenever we think about what we can do, like I can have this, I want this, this helps me, this serves me, then we're able to move into kind of that confidence and courage in the faith side. So I really believe, I, I believe that um, food is spiritual in a lot of ways. And I think that this is a big piece of it. And so I'm not even gonna talk about a lot of those things because I wanna focus on the positives here. Okay, so because I'm a gut health specialist, I cannot talk about inflammation or the diet at all without really talking about the microbiome. So the gut microbiome is our makeup of microbes and their genetic material. If you did not know, all of our microbes in our gut have genetic material. They actually have the ability to determine what genes are turned off and on, which means they play a role in a lot of genetic disease, which is fascinating. They're found in the highest quality in our colon or our large intestine, and that's where the majority of our immune cells are also located. So our immune system and our microbiome are housed in the exact same place, and they are best friends that work together at all times. They're not the same, but sometimes we refer to them as the exact same thing. Our microbes play a vital role in many of our body's processes, including immunity and inflammation. So they, they work with everything. The more that we learn, the more that they're involved with everything that is out there. Supporting them helps with all of their roles. So whenever we talk about supporting them, we don't have to go down the weeds of what all they do. We just know that supporting them in one area will also help with other areas, which is actually pretty phenomenal. So our microbes are scattered along the large intestine and they help determine kind of which particles. So whenever we are digesting food, they are like um, the guards that are saying, okay, you're in, you're out, you're going to be ex excreted. So they're kind of determining like what's a pathogen, um, what's going to cause harm in the body, what is meant to be absorbed, kind of what, where do we need to go? So the, they're the guards. They also can strengthen the tight junction of the intestinal wall. So we have our guards that are telling people you're in or you're out. Tight junctions along the wall. So our intestinal wall is here. The intestinal wall is the only barrier that we have in our body to determine, you know, all the foods that we eat, the things that are coming in through our environment. That intestinal wall is the barrier between our bodies and those things. So if there's anything harmful coming through the gut and the microbiome, then our wall is kind of protecting our bodies from being exposed to those things, if that makes sense. Our wall also has to include our nutrients so that we can actually absorb them and utilize them. So there, along that wall, there are what we call tight junctions. And so that's a barrier. It's meant to be very tight. And then whenever the microbes are like, okay, this person's getting in, they loosen and then close. They loosen and close and let things in as needed and then close back up to protect against things that are not supposed to come in. The microbes are responsible for actually tightening these junctions and keeping them strong. Whenever the microbiome is either not diverse, there's not enough microbes there, they're not really thriving, they're not really, like the strong ones aren't there, the healthy ones aren't there, then these tight junctions become loose. And so then there's not that strong barrier, which means even if, some, like if something gets past the first line of defense, 
and it can trickle into the body. So this is what we call that like leaky gut effect. So that's more commonly known. It, in the medical world, we call it um, intestinal permeability. So what happens is that whenever a pathogen comes into the body, the body goes on alert, which is a very positive thing. So our body's like, oh, someone's inside. It's like an alarm system in your house. And then the immune cells or the white blood cells, I don't really know, but they're all rushed there to like solve the problem. And that's where the inflammation starts to happen. And so whenever this is happening long-term, that can actually trigger and lead to chronic inflammation in the body because of those pathogens coming in. Not only do they work with the actual like strength and kind of determining what comes in and out, our microbes also interact closely with our immune cells and they can influence our immune cell function. So our immune system is helping fight even inflammation, helping fight against disease, helping heal our bodies. And so they have a really close relationship with the inflammation and inflammatory markers and that whole process. And so a weakened microbiome can then lead to a weakened immune system based on those two different things, intestinal permeability and the immune cell function, which can then increase inflammation, prolong healing, all of those different things. Now, this isn't the one missing piece to everything. It's not like your cure-all, but it is a really important piece of the puzzle that often gets overlooked. That's not enough. <laughs> a little step further is that this doesn't only happen in the gut. This exact same thing from the microbes happens in the brain. So our gut and our brain are connected. The gut's actually called the second brain. And we know now that our gut microbes and that inflammatory process they're having down in the colon, that same thing can happen in the blood-brain barrier. A weakened blood-brain barrier leads to inflammation in the brain, which is the risk factor and kind of that cause of neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's, dementia, even um, some mental health conditions. It's a lot. I love the microbiome and we can have an interesting relationship with the microbiome depending on where we are. So what does this actually have to do with pain? So how does it all come together? Chronic inflammation can result from injury, illness, and pain. Chronic inflammation can also cause injury, illness, and pain. So they can go together. So what we can do is we can support our microbiome. If we support our microbes, if we feed them, if we take care of them, if we nurture them well, just like you know, giving them a really nice home, then we might be able to strengthen their function in the body, which then adds on to everything else that we're doing, whether that's your PT, um, the work that you're doing with God and like the faith journey that you're on, the medications you might be taking, that treatment you might be going through, it gives you that extra layer of support. And you'll see most of the things that we do for our microbiome are actually extremely healthy for our entire body as a whole. So it just goes double win. So some of the things that we can do, number one is to eat diverse sources of fiber and to eat a lot of it. So fiber is the food of the, of the microbes. They have to have fiber to survive and to thrive. Fiber comes from plants. So if you eat a diverse amount of plants, then you're getting a diverse source of fiber. Just like in any organization that we're a part of, you want diversity for jobs to function well, right? We each have our own unique talents, our gifts. We each do roles differently. We bring a lot of value to the table. Our microbes are no different. 
We really want a diverse microbiome for the jobs to get done well. The only way to have a diverse microbiome is for them to have a diverse diet. And so that means eating the rainbow, like eating all of the colors, all of your fruits and vegetables, including different grains, legumes, nuts, seeds, as many plant sources as you can possibly think of, try to include them in your diet and challenge yourself to bring them into your diet, which can be really fun. Not only do you want it to be diverse, but you also want there to be a decent amount of it. And this can be very individualized because fiber can be kind of tricky. It can affect people differently. So it's something that you'd really want to work with someone on to make sure it's serving you well, because there are different types of fiber. With that, you do want to have proper hydration. So more fiber, more water, they go together. The next piece is to exercise regularly and enjoy it. So move your body. Our gut microbes love movement. They love exercise. So just like Cole mentioned, of like movement can actually help with pain and help strengthen the body and like all those different things. It also can help with our microbes. And so take time to enjoy the movement that you're doing. If you hate the movement that you're doing, that negative piece will actually cause more stress. And then you're really countering that effect for your microbes. And so find movement that you enjoy, like dancing or walking, or even if it's something simple, like doing very gentle yoga and stretching, you know, outside where you enjoy it. Like that can be so beneficial for our microbes, especially when it's done in a consistent manner. Keep stress low. <laughs> How many of you guys want to laugh at that statement? Anytime someone tells me to like, we're just reduce stress. It's, it's laughable because some of the stress is completely out of your control. But this piece is, is one of the most beautiful pieces whenever you really start to get it together. So some of what we can do with removing stress is, you know, getting outside, yoga is great, breath work is amazing, you know, all of those different science-based methods for reducing stress, they're there. But for me, this is where I've learned to really tap into the Holy Spirit and my relationship with God in a new way. So because I am a science brain, I know that breathwork, meditation, and yoga is powerful for the body. It's powerful for the mind. It's powerful for reducing stress. I also know that my faith in God is even more powerful. He's the only one that brings in peace, right? And so blending those together can be a really beautiful thing. And that's what I encourage any of my like, clients that are Christians and on that journey to do. And so utilizing breath and meditation through worship playing worship as you do yoga and thanking God for those different pieces of your body, the parts of your body that you're experiencing and feeling move. Like that can be so powerful to reduce the stress and kind of build up that resiliency to the stress that's coming in. And then the last one is get outside and expose yourself to microbes in your environment. We're meant to be exposed to our local microbes that can feed our microbiome really well. I wrote this down on my notes. I said, not from people, but from the earth. So we're not getting out to expose ourselves to the coronavirus, right? We're not trying to breathe other people's breath. Like that's not the beneficial fact here. But like getting your feet in the ground, like taking off your shoes and like putting your feet in the dirt, going for a hike where you're, you know, getting your hands dirty, get in the garden, um, buy local produce that has actual like local microbes in it, as long as you're not like, scrubbing it. And if you have, you know, an autoimmune disorder, you might have to do that. Think about your immune system. But if you're able, like just kind of rinse it off and enjoy those local, local microbes, like enjoy the dirt. It's actually really beneficial. And that's a piece that, um, that I think a lot of us probably do, especially you guys who are in Montana. <laughs> All right. So now I'm going to kind of shift a little bit. So we talked about the microbiome. 
my favorite. Now we're gonna talk a little bit about the direct connection between diet and inflammation. I'm gonna start this by saying we actually have limited evidence on diet and inflammation. Regardless of what you see in the media, regardless of what we, you know, we say as practitioners, because we, we want to talk about inflammation since it's a hot topic, we actually do have limited diet, uh, limited evidence and support on diet and inflammation. Many of the studies and the claims that are made are really based on animal studies, not human studies. It's not ethical to do those types of studies on humans. And so it's important to know this. So if you're hearing all of this noise about you have to do this, you can't do this, you need to do this. A lot of that is not actually evidence-based. And so this is where you want to use your own discernment. But we have learned from studying people groups over time and seeing their levels of inflammation, their levels of chronic disease and things like that. That's how we've determined what we believe is the best kind of diet to support the body and to pre uh, prevent and reduce inflammation. So from that, we have discovered the Mediterranean diet. And this is not the current Mediterranean life that we've studied. It was a long time ago. Um, the Mediterranean diet time and time and time and time again has been shown to be like the superior diet uh, whenever we're studying decreased markers for disease. It's actually a really amazing diet too. So we're going to dig into that. You're going to notice a lot of overlaps here, which I think is no coincidence. But the Mediterranean diet, it's a heavily plant-based diet with a focus on diverse sources of whole grains, fruits, vegetables, legumes, nuts, and seeds. Diverse fiber. It's not just plant-based. This is not a vegan diet. It's not a vegetarian diet. But it is the major focus and the major like role of the meal is around diverse plant sources, including grains, milled grains. It includes a decent amount of healthy fats from plant sources and fish, so a decent amount of fish, most likely due to the Mediterranean region, so fish might not be the same if you're in Texas, <laughs> but take it as it is. Um, includes an, a moderate intake of poultry, dairy, and eggs, and then there's limited intake of red meat and very limited intake of processed foods and sugars. So this is where we've determined, and there's some other studies that kind of go along with this, especially tied to heart disease, that red meat processed foods with like different chemicals and additives and things like that, and then um, high intakes of sugar might contribute to more inflammation. This is kind of where this is all coming from. But like I mentioned at the beginning, when you focus on what to include, there's not as much room for those things, right? And so when we're filling our um, plates with lots of different plant sources, when we're enjoying the sweetness of fruits, whenever we're including those healthy fats, like our bodies are gonna be so supported and satisfied that these other foods kind of just, they, they fall to the, the wayside a little bit better. Um, and then they're included where they belong versus excluded and restricted and then overdone. And then that back and forth cycle and weird relationship. The Mediterranean diet also includes some red wine intake. And this is really more like closely tied to the high amount of antioxidants from the grapes than that fermentation process. So fermented foods, lots of antioxidants from rich, beautifully colored fruits and vegetables. Not only is the diet important, but we know that the Mediterranean lifestyle is also one of the big drivers to those benefits that we were seeing. So it's never just diet. Lifestyle around food and with food is so important. So we know that the Mediterranean culture at the time, at least, um, had a lot of activity from walking, biking, working outdoors. So like working in fields and manual labor. 
They were really community oriented and there was social enjoyment around meals. There was a deep relationship to their meals in that process. Think about cooking, like making bread, for instance, like that's a very um, time intensive process. Like you have to really become a friend with the flour and the dough that you're using. The same is true with a lot of their different, their meals and their food, like they cooked it from scratch. And so they had a really close relationship with it and enjoyed it over a long period of time with people that they loved. There was mindfulness with eating and living, which resulted in less stress. So mindfulness in enjoying what was around them. Very different than the culture that we live in. Okay, so kind of wrapping that up, like what can you do? Like what should you do from all of this? Bringing it together and bringing both of these pieces in one. Eat a lot of plants and get as much diversity as you can during the day, including all food sources with intention. Learn the best balance for your body by working with the right people. And then challenge yourself on finding diversity. Have fun with it and enjoy all of those different plant foods. I think God put them on the earth for a reason, and I'm very thankful and grateful for all of them. Focus on whole foods and limit processed foods, and then get creative with making foods from scratch. Enjoy that process and like actually put time into it because that can be really therapeutic as well, like getting your hands involved, like really focusing on the aroma, playing around with those spices, like learning how to cook the foods from scratch, which then immediately puts the others off to the side. Get outside often and be social, especially around meals. And social doesn't always mean you're in person together. It means that you're communicating with others, that you're inviting them into that process with you. You're not just on the screen while you're eating, but you're really involving others and talking about the meal together. Increase your mindfulness in every area of life. And this is where the Holy Spirit really comes in. Um, mindfulness is also a hot topic and it's something that people are craving and people want. And the Holy Spirit is really, to me, the only way to be mindful. Um, I don't really know how it works elsewhere otherwise, um, but the Holy Spirit, like inviting him in to these parts of your life that you may not normally invite him into, because that can be really, 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 really beneficial. So I'll take a couple of questions. I didn't look at time. I kind of spaced out for a second. I think I'm okay. It's wonderful. Yeah. I, I didn't say this before, but this is something important. Like obviously seek out the right professionals, like get the diet to work for you, depending on your stage of like what's going on. There are different um, nuances to like actual promoting like healing and tissue repair and things like that. But I wanted to say with digestion, uh, digestion in general, pain can manifest in the gut. Chronic pain, um, chronic stress in the body is actually one of the um, risk factors for IBS. So if you are dealing with chronic pain, but you're also in and medications can also contribute to this too. But if you're also dealing with abnormal bowel movements and habits, like make sure that you advocate for yourself and really communicate that. Um, because doctors aren't gonna ask, like people aren't gonna ask, your loved ones aren't gonna ask to support you. And so kind of ask those questions and don't um don't like completely overlook it or think that that's not a big deal because that's also your body's way of telling you like, oh, something is up. Like we need to work on this and, and um, my, I need support in a new way. Thank you again so much to Erin for her knowledge and sharing that with us at Heal. 
She also does an incredible job on her Instagram daily facts tips. So check her out at erinjudge.rd. You will not regret that. Give her a follow. And I talked about community. So something we're doing a little bit different at the heel this time is that we're going to give you breakout sessions where you're going to get to talk to other people going through physical pain and talking to God about it at the same time. So please sign up, head to thehealretreat.com and register for July 18th virtual heal. See you tomorrow.